Good morning, Graceway. Today is Wednesday, October 30th, and this is Charles from the Morning Bible Study Teaching Team. Today we'll be continuing our journey through the Gospel of Mark with Mark 11, 1 through 11. This is Jesus' triumphal entry, or is it? I'll be reading from the NRSV, but if you want to, you can follow along in any version you like. Let's begin. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately, as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road. Others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who were following were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. What a letdown. Jesus rides into Jerusalem a hero. During his ministry in Galilee, he had huge crowds of people following him around, amazed by his healings and teachings, as well as his confrontations with various religious leaders. People recognized that Jesus was a great prophet, but they also began to suspect that he is the Messiah. Jesus seems to confirm this by riding into Jerusalem in what looks like an impromptu coronation ceremony. But when he arrives at the temple, the center of Jewish religious and political life, he just looks around and then wanders back to where he's staying for the night. Mark tells this story in a deliberately anticlimactic way. Most of us already know why. Most of us know that the Jews of Jesus' day expected a Messiah that would be a political and military leader. The Messiah was to be a great king who would liberate the Jewish people from their Roman oppressors and bring about a time of peace and justice and prosperity for the Jews and for the whole world. All the nations would turn to Jerusalem and worship the Jewish God. But Jesus, as we know, subverted these expectations. He was not a great military leader and had no intention of being one. As we saw in the Bible study last Sunday, Mark presents Jesus' mission through the lens of Isaiah's description of the suffering servant. The anticlimax at the end of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem is another way Mark shows us that Jesus is not the sort of Messiah that the Jews of his day expected. Most of us know that the Jews of Jesus' day expected a different kind of Messiah, but we don't know very much about what they did expect. So I want us to explore that now. We can do this just by looking at the illusions and symbolism that occur in our passage today. Understanding these expectations will help us see something important about what it does mean for Jesus to be the Messiah. Let's start with Jesus riding a colt into Jerusalem. Mark makes a big deal of this. It seems that Mark wants to highlight the colt, a seemingly insignificant fact, 
because he wants us to remember a prophecy in Zechariah 9. Here's the relevant verse. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Sing aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So, it's a king who rides into Jerusalem on a colt. Mark wants us to see Jesus as king and Messiah. But if we look at the context of this verse, we see how it was understood by the Jews of Jesus' day to prophesy a Messiah who would be a great military leader. Zechariah 9 begins with a prophecy against Judah's oppressors. As it goes on, it says that God will use Judah, and so its king, the one riding on the colt, as a bow against its oppressors. God will fight with them and for them. It continues, quote, The Lord of hosts will protect them, and they shall devour and tread down the slingers. They shall drink their blood like wine, and be full like a bowl, drenched like the corners of an altar. On that day, the Lord their God will save them. Gruesome stuff. Notice how the Lord's salvation is here tied with freedom from oppression and military victory. You can see why Jesus' contemporaries, when they read prophetic texts like this, thought that the Messiah would be a military leader. Now, consider what the crowds say to Jesus as he rides into Jerusalem. Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna was a standard liturgical saying at the time. It means something like, save now. So the crowds are praising God and blessing Jesus as God's vehicle of salvation. A salvation they seem to understand in something like the way Zechariah 9 presents it. How do I know that? Because they imply that Jesus is bringing the kingdom of their ancestor David. David is important for first century Jewish messianic expectation, in large part because David was seen as the king of Israel's golden age of peace and prosperity. He established that peace by being a great warrior. So Jews of Jesus' day wanted the Messiah uh, to be a new David, someone who would make Israel great again. That same hope is also evident when the crowd spread branches on the road in front of Jesus. This is reminiscent of a scene described in the intertestamental books, 1st and 2nd Maccabees. These books were probably written in the decades before 100 BC and describe a Jewish revolt against their Greek oppressors in the 140s BC. When the Jews finally won, their leader came into the temple to purify it. It had been defiled by the Greeks. When the leader uh, enters the temple, the people gather around him singing and waving palm branches. It looks a lot like what Mark describes. In summary, then, everything about how Mark describes Jesus' entry into Jerusalem and the temple has messianic connotations. The cult, the people singing Hosanna, they're evoking David, and they're spreading out branches in front of Jesus. This Messiah was supposed to be a great military leader who would liberate the Jews from oppression. But that isn't what Jesus did. He's not that kind of Messiah. But is that right? When Christians have reflected on the fact that Jesus flouted the expectations that the Messiah would be a military king, they have tended to think of Jesus as a spiritual leader rather than a political leader, and of Jesus' kingdom as a spiritual kingdom rather than a political kingdom. Notice that there's something subtly anti-Semitic about this. 
it suggests that the Jews were concerned with something worldly and trivial, while Christians care for something spiritually deep and inward. But besides being slightly anti-Semitic, this is also nonsense. From the beginning of Mark's gospel to the end, Jesus indicates both that he proclaims and inaugurates the kingdom of God. That's an irreducibly political concept. Kingdom refers to God's reign, God's rule. When Jesus describes himself as the Son of Man, he refers to prophecies in the book of Daniel and Isaiah. Both of these prophecies proclaim the coming of a time of justice and peace, a time free of oppression. Again, those are political realities. By using these prophecies, Jesus indicates that the eternal life he promises his followers is the kingdom of universal peace and justice referred to in the Old Testament. Jesus does not reject the political nature of Jewish messianic expectation then. He rejects their belief that this political reality can be established through human military effort. What should contemporary Christians take away from the political nature of Jesus' vision of the kingdom of God and eternal life? Well, I think we should conclude that we cannot expect ultimate salvation from our own political efforts. This is something that American Christians, both liberal and conservative, have been tempted to do for at least the past hundred years. But I think we should also conclude that political realities matter. They either reflect or run against the kingdom Jesus proclaims. When a political body allows economic oppression, when a political leader acts unjustly or supports unjust laws, they stand opposed to the kingdom of God. When I reflect on the political communities I belong to and that I, in my own limited way, am responsible for, the United States, New Jersey, Princeton Township, the Presbyterian Church, Princeton Seminary, this gives me pause. I think it should give a lot of us pause. All right, Graceway, that's it for now. Join us again on Friday for the story of Jesus cleansing the temple.